Hello. Thank you for listening. This is the Friendly Reminder Podcast. It's your weekly friendly reminder of what's going on in our lives, around the world, and everything in between. My name is Gus, and once again, I'm going to be your host for the evening. Today is July the 30th, uh, as of the day of this recording. And as always, I do have my two dearest friends joining me today. Daniel, how are you today? Good, Gus. A lot of shit happened this week. A lot of shit. This was a long-ass week. This, today was a long-ass week. Today week was, was a long-ass ass. Yeah, today is like, today alone is like a long-ass, I don't know, decade. Oh, so much shit. We'll talk about a fraction of it. I'm sure we'll miss world-changing stories, but anyway. Yeah, we're going to try to cover as much as we can, but uh, it's it's a busy schedule that we have today. And joining us for it is Sam. Sam, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good today. You sound how are you? As always. I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. And as we mentioned, we do have, a, as always, I keep saying this every week, we have a lot to cover, but it's always true, and especially today. Uh, we're going to get started with the news pretty much of today, to be honest with you. Uh, before that, though, uh, you know, we do want to just briefly mention that today, John Lewis, uh, Congressman John Lewis, civil rights activist, was eulogized, memorialized, laid to rest in Atlanta um, during his funeral. Three presidents, uh, former presidents, were in attendance, former President Barack Obama, former President George W. Bush and former President Bill Clinton were in attendance to give their remarks and pay their respects. Um, current President uh, Donald Trump was not in attendance, so make make out of that what you will. But we just briefly want to say uh, thank you to Mr. Lewis. Thank you for your your persistent hard work throughout the decades. Thank you for the fights that you picked. Uh, and thank you for your sacrifice. Uh, so for Congressman John Lewis, may you rest in power. But moving to the big news of the day, uh, what I think is the biggest news of the day, we'll, we'll see if it's, if it's covered as, as prominently as, all, as the other news stories that we're going to talk about today. But this morning, the second quarter uh, GDP results came out, and it shrank, our GDP shrank at an annual rate of 32.9%, so almost 33%. That is for, again, that's the second quarter. Uh, that is for April, May, and June. So April, pretty much when we were fully closed. Uh, May, we started opening up a little bit. In June, we saw some a little bit more activity. But these numbers cannot be described as anything other than staggering. Um, just to give some context, the previous this is the worst drop that we've had on record. The previous uh, holder to that, and this is all post-war, so it does not count the uh, the Great Depression, but the previous holder was in 1958. Uh, it dropped 10%. And again, this quarter, it dropped 32.9%. Now, I'm it's, not it's, a oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's interesting. I, I The headlines I saw about this were so 
post-Trump, they, they talked about, oh, it's going to be a drawn-out recovery. And I'm like, the economy is literally in free fall. And these headline writers, in an attempt to be fair to this idiot who's driving us straight into the pandemic, uh, we're, are talking about a drawn-out recovery. It's, it's, it's absolutely, it, it's amazing the the way that they sort of soften the blow of this stuff because they don't want to seen as, be seen as overly aggressive towards Donald Trump and conservatives. They go out of their way to be fair to conservatives. Yeah, and you know, this is all happening uh with with the backdrop that Congress has not acted on the economy in a significant manner in 3 months, I want to say. I'm not I I misremember when the CARES Act passed, but it's been a couple of months at least. They're still struggling to come to some sort of uh decision, some kind of agreement with the uh current uh is it the fourth package or the fifth package coronavirus package that they're trying to pass? They I haven't come to, yeah, yeah, they haven't come to an agreement that's still on hold right now. And unemployment, the unemployment benefits that were passed in the first CARES Act uh, expire, I believe, either today or tomorrow. So that's a thing. You know, the people are about to lose uh, a lifeline. There's a staggering number of evictions that could possibly happen in the next coming months or so. Gus, it's actually, I actually was interested that you pick the, although obviously that's a huge story, the the massive shrinking of the economy by 30%. Um, But yeah, I was going to say the background is there's a massive unemployment crisis. Not only massive unemployment crisis, there's another crisis of the of, of the uh, shitty American unemployment system being completely overburdened and people not being able to actually get their unemployment. There's the massive GDP plunge you, you mentioned, the massive eviction crisis, because instead of having some sort of rent uh, cancellation, we had... Uh, did, we have a federal rent pause. I don't even remember if we had that, but of course, three months did. later, people who lost their job, how are they going to come up with three times the amount of rent that they had? It's, it's of course, you know, we have 150 plus thousand plus dead. Um, Republicans still saying that masks aren't necessary, still downplaying the coronavirus. Uh, Herman Caden died and his Twitter feed was littered with downplaying and talking about how masks are dumb and how cool it is to go out without masks on and and he died <laughs> so yeah. and we're going to talk a little bit more about yeah. that and yeah yeah you're okay. right because i'll all... touch on the insane crazy semen doctor that trump has been touting who again <laughs> this doctor that said that masks don't work and and has all these other crazy beliefs like you know uh demons and witches come to you in your dreams and impregnate you um, Donald Trump Jr. got banned temporarily from Twitter, and conservatives thought it was the biggest civil rights issue of our time. They were like, rest in peace, John Lewis, and also rest in peace, Donald Trump Jr.'s Twitter account for being temporarily banned yeah. for tweeting this crazy Dear Mean Sperm video. Um, but hey, you know both sides. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, you know, and it's important that you mention that because in this report, there are, there's some what seems to be some good news that maybe there's there was more activity in May and June, but it does not take into account the sharp increases in cases in states like Texas, California, Arizona, Florida that really started uh, skyrocketing in July, led to some um, some pausing of the reopening as well as rolling back. In fact, some some of those reopening measures. So. I mean that this is shooting shooting ourselves in the foot because we didn't want to listen to the guidelines when we had the time. So now we have this massive drop in the second quarter, and it's 
it, it would be foolish to think this is going to massively improve on, on a dime. And then Bill Barr went went in front of Congress and said it was Obama's fault. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not joking. That happened. That's a real thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Also something we're going to get to. So, you know, this is very upsetting news to wake up to early in the morning. A lot of people right now, we we, we don't know where our, our, our employment is going to be a year from now. We're lucky to, for some of us, we're lucky, lucky to have it now. We don't know where it's going to be even a couple of months down the line. So I'm hoping for some kind of good news soon, but it's not going to come unless we actually make significant changes to make it happen. But yeah, that's, that's the, one of the bad news that we woke up to this morning. And it, it seems that our president did not think we were anxious uh, enough already. He did not think that the American people were anxious enough. Because literally, like, I think less he was than an hour. cancel the election. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot less, that happened. So less than an hour that the, where, uh, after this news came out, he tweeted that he, he openly mused that we should be delaying the election. And in fact, citing safety reasons to be able to do it, as well as mailing voting i'm saying that this already claiming before there's any kind of evidence before there's a single vote casted that this is going to be the most corrupt uh mail or i'm sorry the most corrupt election in history and the most fraudulent election in history we talked about this on on our first episode our our anxiety we shared our anxieties regarding election day and how that's going to turn out And, and we mentioned you know not only voter suppression but questioning the results and delaying the result process if Donald Trump were to lose, perhaps taking it to court. And if we had any doubts, or at least if I had any doubts that was ever going to happen, if, if the results are not favorable for Donald Trump, I don't have a single one now. He's he's saying it. You know, he's he's planting that flag right now. And Barr said something about that too, which we'll get to, which was amazing. I mean Trump even said that in 2016. Like, mm-hmm. if he lost, it would be a fraudulent election. You know? Yeah, yeah, he did. He did say that. Uh, well, he says 2016 was a fraudulent election because he didn't win the popular vote. He would have if yeah. millions of illegal people hadn't been shipped to California to run up the total or some yeah such. He, he literally mentioned that uh, Hillary Clinton got millions of uh, fraudulent votes and she lost that yeah. election. So. Yeah, this this if if Joe Biden wins, the best case scenario is that yeah he won, but it's going to be disputed for quite a while, I believe, and it's it's going to be unless, a very anxious time. Unless it's like a landslide, you know? Maybe like uh, that's what I'm hoping because I think if it's a landslide, maybe I mean, Hillary Clinton won. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by three million, and Trump still denies it. Like the, yeah. you're underestimating their ability to utterly deny reality. Yeah. Um. You know, as That's they're sick, true. dying in a hospital, tweeting about the, how this disease is not a big deal, and how they love licking each other's faces <laughs> and stuff. Uh, to yeah. own the list. How um, they say children will be, you know, responsible when going back to school. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that, that's that, one thing. Like, he's saying that uh, we should reopen schools and it's perfectly okay for children and teachers and, and faculty to go back, but somehow the, it's too unsafe for us to cast our votes. So there's hypocrisy there, obvious hypocrisy. Uh, it should be noted that the 
president does not have the power to delay the election that is determined by Congress. But I don't want to just say that and then shrug this whole thing under the rug because <laughs> this is the president of the United States just openly saying like, hey, maybe we should just delay the election. It's it's we're here. Like this is a scary time. And can you yes, imagine he, if Obama had amused about something like that? I think that there would have been a violent coup if had he had even hinted at something like that, even jokingly. Uh, the oh, militias sure. would be marching through the streets. Oh, for sure. I mean, the, people would have already died because of that uh, of this if it if it had been Obama that had said it. Uh, and somehow, when Donald Trump says it, you know, there's there's a lot of blue check marks on Twitter just jumping in. And well, really, the president doesn't have the authority to do it. It's yes, he doesn't. It's it's the fact that the president is even saying this that we yeah. have this conversation and we should be very afraid of what can happen come election day because he has a lot of uh, a lot of ways he can persuade uh, persuade a large number of people to to believe that any result that's not favorable to him is is fraudulent and that should worry people but. We do have to move on to the next piece of news that did happen today. And speaking of denial, today Herman Cain lost his life due to the coronavirus. Speaking had, of uh, you know civil rights heroes that have lost mm -hmm. their lives recently, we have the the CEO of Godfather Pizza um, and original anti-masker uh, Herman Cain who. Lost his life mysteriously. They're they're not actually sure how he lost his life. I think, you know, there's some rumors in the media about how it was COVID, but we all know that's that's a lot of bunkum. You know. Yeah, that's the lamestream media. Just that's lamestream media. The people that run Herman Cain's Twitter account, which is it's funny that Herman Cain has people that run his Twitter account. Uh, well, we should probably clarify just in case people don't know who Herman Cain is. Herman Cain is a mm -hmm. Republican politician who ran for president in 2014. 16 was it i actually don't remember i believe it was 2012 i believe uh, he actually was up in the polls for a little bit in, in 2012 maybe yeah. he ran again in 2016 but i think his like his most famous time was was in uh 2012 and yeah so he is a former <laughs> republican presidential candidate yeah and you know front like yeah front for, for a brief moment he was the front runner and you know i don't I don't want to dance on top of of, uh, of the grave of a recently dead man. Obviously, he had a family. There, I have to show a certain amount of respect. But if there was one point that I want to make about this, is it really exemplifies how easily preventable some of this stuff is. And I'm not saying this this entire pandemic was easily preventable. I just mean on an individual basis. What what are some easy choices that we can do to not have this happen to us? Herman Cain lost his life because A, he refused to wear a mask and was very vocal about that. But B, he most likely got this virus by attending the Tulsa rally that we've mentioned previously in this podcast. Uh, he was pictured in that rally. He got sick 
sitting like three three inches from people just laughing no masks just slobber you can see the spit flying out of his mouth just flying hitting everybody in the face well i don't know he got sick about a week or two after that which is within that time frame of, of when the symptoms start showing so you know herman cain lost his life so he could go watch donald trump talk about how well he walks down a rampway Yes, that, that classic is a set- speech of Donald Trump's that we're all yeah. that we're going to go back to over and over again because it's just going to be this inflection point in our history. Yes, that rampway is going to be my my uh, special guest that I'm going to introduce every other uh, podcast because it keeps coming back. That I mean, that sentence he lost his life so Donald Trump can talk about how well he walks on a rampway is in no way an exaggeration. No, nope. and, and that. that- that in itself is is insane to me. And I just want to tell the American people, Trump supporters, you don't have to do this. You don't have to die for this man. You can stay home. You know, you'll be able to cast your vote somehow come election day, but you do not have to risk everything. You don't have to risk family members getting sick, yourself getting sick, your dog getting sick, because apparently the dog the dogs can get the virus too. You don't have to do any of this. Just don't go. Don't do this. But Herman Cain did not listen to that. Herman Cain died doing what he loved, listening to Donald Trump babble about nonsense. And frankly, the fact that you can't appreciate and honor that i i think you're the callous one everybody yeah. should just kiss just go outside start kissing virus isn't going to hurt you just do it that's it right you're a freedom saliva every freedom it's about freedom kissing yeah. and freedom and again it's it's just pure stubbornness it's it's a pure blissful decision to not listen to any guidance not listen to any of the experts and this happens uh, you know, we we talk about the low attendance uh, of that rally in previous episodes, but there was still six thousand people that went to that rally. Six thousand people is like what? It's like a small to medium sized college, university. It's still an an insane amount of people that decide to risk it all just so they can listen to a <laughs> lunatic just go on and on and on about the more superfluous shit like it's it boggles the mind and it people can and have and will lose their lives because of it well look we know there's at least one casualty coming out of that rally so (laughs) one more casualty than antifa yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) but you know those Three, four stories um, all happened today. It was a lot to take into what we were going to make our main topic, and it really is still our main topic, is what happened a couple of days uh, before that. Bill Barr, and I'm going to keep calling him Bob Barr throughout all of this. I just know it, or Babar. But Bill Barr testified in front of Congress and Daniel, I'm I'm gonna let you uh, take the lead uh, when it comes to this, but there's just a few things that I'm gonna mention that um, he did state. For one, for example, he did basically deny that there there is any kind of systemic racism in uh, policing in America. He was obviously in support of 
releasing Roger Stone from from prison from his, um, and having the president commute his sentence, basically saying the the line like, "Would you be okay with a sixty seven year old man do a seven to nine year sentence?" Which is a weird statement to make. Well, he, the implication was also he's the president's friend. That yeah, yeah, yeah. But even then, it's like why like. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't just boil it down to to that man's age. It's also what he did. But he's, he's also white. He's white and he's a Republican. Yeah, you forgot about that. So. Forgot Maybe. that little little yeah, issue. Little yeah, he based like he struggled to even say if it's inappropriate for for a, a president to seek foreign assistance uh, during an election. He he said something to the to the manner. It's like well, it depends what kind of assistance it is. Yep. Eventually, he was pressed, and he he did say it's not appropriate for a, a president to seek assistance or take assistance. You know, th- those are just a few of the things that, that you took but, out of this hearing. But, but by calling the Russia investigation bullshit, which he has already done, which, again, if this is an investigation that he's supposedly looking into, calling it bullshit is a good way to make sure that no one in their right mind is going to actually investigate foreign interference in the election in this upcoming election. like. Your your boss is calling it bullshit before you even start dealing with it. So it's it's kind of hard to start. Uh, this bar testimony was so dishonest, and it's it's kind of incredible how far we've come. Because you know, Barr is the attorney general. We used to have in this country, you know, they weren't always airtight, but we used to have norms against the politicization of the of the justice department and the attorney general and the attorney general is not supposed to be coordinating directly with the president on political issues and on and and this is just out the window at this point it's not even a it it, it's i don't know if you've ever heard the phrase overton window but the overton window has been blown apart like this isn't even like four years ago we were talking about how inappropriate it was and everybody oh everybody agreed it was so inappropriate for Loretta Lynch to meet with Bill Clinton for 20 minutes. Now Barr sits in front of Congress and admits that he talks about the election with Trump, the political implications of of everything that he's doing. He's directly intervened in in cases to help Trump associates, including Roger Stone, by trying to get him sentenced uh, a lighter sentence. And then, you know, I don't I don't know if he technically participated in the commutation, but I mean he's He's had a record of, 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 you know, pushing presidents to pardon individuals in order to cover up crimes. I mean, he did it with Roger Stone. He also did it during Iran-Contra with George W. Bush when he was the attorney general at that time. So it's really hard to, to know what to focus down on. It was, it was just a, an incredible series of, of testimony. And, and what really pissed me off is the media came out of this just unprecedented testimony where Barr said basically that he was willing to use the intrusive and offensive tools of the attorney general's office in order to extend Trump's tenure. And they came out of that saying, well, it was a bunch of partisan bickering, right? Because the media assumes, well, Barr is on Trump's side, right? It's not, it's not Barr is the fucking attorney general and he needs to be have a sort of distance from politics. No, Barr is just the arm of Trump at this point. He he tells the same lies as Trump. He 
dissembles the same way Trump does. He praises Trump in the same way Trump does. He, <laughs> in the same way Trump praises himself. He at this, you know, and 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 this isn't just to say, you know, I'm I'm kind of flinging arrows at this guy, but I mean, he's also commanding a fucking goon squad <laughs> in the cities of the United States who are acting in a violent manner. And he talked about that too. Uh, they talked about, you know, he went on and on about how our cities were being torn apart by anarchists. And he, he it, it was kind of interesting because he, he went, oh, there were, you know, 20 something injuries of federal agents. And he was like, someone shot a federal and he started going through the list. And obviously he's going to pick the worst ones because, you know, those are the worst injuries that these anarchists are doing. And it was like, oh, uh, a federal agent experienced some some minor hearing loss because of a firework that was near them. And another federal agent was shot with a with a pellet gun, and these these were like the major in- injuries. And I was and I was just thinking to myself, what injuries is he not mentioning? Is it like, oh uh, yeah, one one of the feds had a tummy ache, another one missed his nap time, and another one skinned his knee. This is DHS. These are the guys who are supposedly gonna be fighting Al Qaeda and MS13 in the streets, and bars like oh woe is me they're getting their their toes stubbed by totally unarmed protesters meanwhile they're firing at point blank range non-lethal rounds into the faces of these protesters uh tear gassing them with their bandit that's another thing Barr lied about he said that there was no tear gas used in the uh lafayette park incident where the park was completely cleared out of protesters so that Trump could, well, it was actually kind of weird because Trump basically wanted to do a photo op. So they cleared the park out and caught it on tape where the protesters were tear gassed. And yet Barr, Barr gave the order to clear the park. And he still yeah. insists that no tear gas was used, even though there's videos of tear gas being used. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it's sort of hard to sort of go through and list all the terrible awful shit in this testimony i don't recommend anybody actual actually listen to it it's insufferable i don't know yeah i mean he there's certain things and and the way you mentioned it that there's not a whole lot of difference between him and trump and and the way they're actually what they're actually trying to express is there's really more of a difference of of how they're wording things uh he made a mention in regards to defending policing and and saying that there is not a systemic issue in in America regarding policing. He mentioned the fact that, you know, he he mentioned, oh, more, essentially saying more white people get shot than black people. uh, And just he said it figures and not not mentioning any kind of disproportional share or or mentioning the fact that obviously white people make up a greater share of the u.s population and yeah he was like 11 white people have been shot and eight black people have been shot so it's like almost 50 50 as if that he hasn't as if there's no indication that the fact that they're black people are like 13 percent of the population so that's you know you know what uh bill Barr reminds me of you remember that key and peel skit about obama's translator where Obama would say some very calm, eloquent thing, and then the translator would just say it in very black, like obvious language. It's like yeah. that, but like the opposite. The opposite. Where Trump yeah. is just like the blowhard, and, and and Bill Barr just politely tries to express what what he's trying to say in a more 
sophisticated manner, but it's really the same thing. You know, the interesting thing, I, you know, looking over, uh, I skimmed through the transcript after I listened to it, and I was just like, what are his actual arguments here when he talks about, yeah, no racism, and there's no uh, racism. He's like, oh, the death of George Floyd was tragic, and then he talked about Senator Tim Scott, who's the only black Republican senator, and he, how he had... Tim Scott recounted how he had just been pulled over just just repeatedly on Capitol Hill over the years because he's black and none of the other senators and he just sort of dismissed dismissed it as he I, I I can tell you what he said he said at the same time he said uh, Senator Tim Scott has recounted the numerous times he's been unjustifiably pulled over and as one prominent black professional in Washington said to me African Americans often feel treated as suspects first and citizens second I think these concerns are legitimate right here's here's his turn at the same time I think it would be an oversimplification to treat the problem as rooted in deep-seated racism generally infecting our police departments it seems far more likely that the problem stems from a complex mix of factors which can be addressed with focused attention over time that's it that's he's like oh it's a it's a complex it's complicated complicated that's it okay, nice. <laughs> by focus moving attention does he mean brutality and like against protesters <laughs> like when he so, say it one more time didn't you say he said focused attention is no 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 well it? no it's not he did not mean that i don't actually know what the hell he meant <laughs> <laughs> to be oh, honest, okay. Like, yeah, I think, like, probably telling the cops, you, you should probably stop pulling over this senator. You should probably learn what he looks like and just stop pulling him over. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, okay. that, but uh, which obviously doesn't do anything to address the fact that the reason he was being pulled over was that he was black. But well, Bill Barr doesn't give a shit. So yeah, he moved on from that very quickly. But. It, it's yeah it, again it's sort of hard to focus in on one piece of this garbage testimony because it was all so bad the media coverage afterwards was like yeah it was partisan bickering ignoring the fact that the fact that the attorney general should not be a partisan figure you know this is uh, again this it's like when obama said half you know uh, said sort of offhanded said oh uh, i don't think they're going to find anything on on the email investigation of Hillary Clinton, Republicans lost their mind. They said he was corrupting the process. And, and this, and literally Trump is having conversations with Bill Barr about every single investigation going on, every political thing. It's not even a, it's not hiding it in any way, shape or form. During the Ukraine uh, thing where Trump went to Ukraine and said, you should look into Biden. The Republicans' retort was like, no, well, you should have gone to your own <laughs> DOJ and tried to politicize them by having them look into your political, as if that was uh, better somehow. But, it, you know, we've moved so far from any semblance of of what it meant to have a uh, an actual sort of law enforcement officer separate from just being purely motivated by Trumpian politics that it, it's sort of amazing. And it's, it's amazing that Bill Barr has been able to put a respectable face on what amounts to just, just no, they say law and order, but it's actually the opposite of that. It's lawlessness. It's uh, subsuming law for the rule of rule and interests of a few particular men who are power, yeah. who have the power. Yeah. It's, it is it's a, hard. A power. 
Yeah, and and this isn't even going into the shit about Russia, where he's he's investigating the investigators and trying to cast doubt on the fact that the, the very blatant stuff that happened in 2016, where you know Trump officials were meeting with Russian intelligence agents, and that he he basically says, well, no, that was a bunch of bullshit, and I'm investigating the investigators. Of course, you know Mueller's, you know, we criticize Mueller Mueller a little bit, but. There, there were 40 indictments. Like it, the idea that there was no there there is is absurd. He put out a massive report that pretty clearly laid out that even if it wasn't criminal, there was coordination between the Trump campaign and Russia. And more than that, there was obvious criminal obstruction of justice by the by Trump and his associates. It, yeah. It's uh, it boggles my mind that now we have the quote unquote the serious attorney general being yeah that's a bunch of bullshit and you know I'm gonna find out what really happened and you know fine go ahead charge the other charge all you want be do it uh, I would I would be very interested in them actually charging people because I don't think any crimes were actually committed in the Russia investigation I mean it's it's just a bunch of gaslighting it's fa- it's uh, muddying the waters basically. Yeah. And, you know, like one of the reasons I particularly wasn't looking forward to this hearing is is because of how I feared the media was going to try to scrutinize it. I still have very negative flashbacks when it comes to the Mueller hearings and the focus on the tone or how Mueller sounded and and the fact that there were no fireworks or there was no explosive moments for the Democrats to, to hang on to. And, and I just didn't have any kind of faith that they, they did that here too. They were like, Oh, the Democrats didn't, didn't get him with the, get him. And it was basically Barr confessing to crimes for four hours. So I don't really know what they were looking for. If this were any type of fair situation, Barr would have been impeached a long time ago. It, it would this would be a massive scandal. And and he also uh, Bill Barr he did mention that he does have concerns about voting by mail as well, and perhaps foreign interference regarding that. He was questioned if the results were clear if he were to step down and he did basically say he's like if the results are clear i will i will step down which again doesn't give me a, any kind of faith that he is going to all of a sudden wake up come election time if donald trump were to lose badly and not be an ally for the president i think he would very much be a tool for the president to use under what the president will probably consider to be the worst case scenario, which is if he were to lose decisively in November. Bill Barr also called John Lewis a champion of the rule of law. Obviously, this is like the Republican talking point now, which is hilarious because John Lewis was arrested like 40 times and and had the shit kicked out of him by police. And the Republicans are like, yeah, MLK... John Lewis, they loved uh, police and the rule of law. Yeah, that was all it was all about for them. Yeah. And we mentioned about how there's been a lot of revisionist history to uh, <laughs> in the yeah, past like- to, to try to uh, to try to put this this very complex, very complicated country in a in a very like neat narrative where the people you like were were 
very lawful, awesome, uh, loving, uh, freedom-loving Americans. Just yeah, like I mean, MLK was really just black Ronald Reagan, honestly. Yeah. And that's the way you need to, to learn it. Yeah. Yeah. He was like a slightly less racist black Ronald Reagan in, in these people's mind. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... I, 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 I feel like there's about... so much more about Barr that I want to go over because it was just so... I mean, it, it's sort of... in And again, any fair system, we would be outraged and we would be talking, at the very least, talking about how he needed to recuse himself from all this, recuse himself from the election stuff, everything like that, especially because he you know, uh, wrote an editorial before he was made the attorney general talking about how the Russia case was bullshit. And then, you know, was specifically picked because of that editorial. Of course, again, he's not recusing himself from any of this stuff. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares anymore, I guess. So I I do want to ask you though, in in that, in that context, like, because is this just the way it is where if it's, if it's a Republican administration where we're not going to see this outrage, or is it? Are we past the Rubicon where this this kind of abuse of the Department of Justice, which I'm I'm certain it has, it's not the first time that it's happened, but it's not at more all blatant than than ever before. Do you think if if Biden were to win, do we all of a sudden revert back to the uh, Obama days where we're far more conscious of any possible uh, political political of the Department of Justice, or are we just way past it now? Or do we go back to like the LBJ days where there was more intervention? Yeah, that it's a good question. There, it, it's the kind of thing that ebbs and flows. My guess is that we're we're this sort of the period that kind of lasted from Watergate through Obama, where it was sort of the norm sort of developed, especially after Watergate. Uh, that. I think is coming to an end with Trump. And I don't think, and I think even with Biden, I think the norms are going to be eroded. You're not, I don't think it's going to be as explicit. And I don't think it's going to be as, I guess, bad, but I think it is going to happen because I think the norm, the norms have been eroded and there's no reason. I mean, if honestly, if you were Biden, why wouldn't you uh, take advantage of, of the fact that the norms are eroded and you can sort of, open the political lines with your with your attorney general and and you know uh, ask your doj to assist you in an election by maybe hey maybe investigate some of those republicans you know what's yeah. good for the and goose again, is good for the gander and this is the shit trump, trump like tweets this shit out he's been saying it out in public so it's not like you know i mean republicans are going to clutch their pearls if they ever find out that president biden asked asked uh you know ag I don't know. Let's go with uh, Elizabeth Warren to to look into, you know, all the random hookers that Donald Trump Jr. has is, is been killing, <laughs> no, hiding. And you know that was, that was parody. That's not really happening, as far as I know. Yeah, and we're we're discussing this also under the best case scenario, or where we imagine the best case scenario to be at this point, which is a Biden victory. If it's a Donald Trump victory and he's serving a second term. I'm reminded of, uh, I believe it was a 60 Minutes interview of, of, with Bill Barr, and they asked him, do you think history will will uh, be kind to you? And he essentially said, well, history is written by the winners, uh, the winners, so it really depends who wins. And he <laughs> smiled. <laughs> he yeah. smiled like this very devilish smile. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not entirely certain where, where we're going to go from here. But uh, any other final thoughts regarding the hearing, Daniel, that you'd like to share? No, not nothing that I can think of at the moment. I'll, I'll interrupt you if I think of anything and go on another rant. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're... We're probably not going to stay on our next topic for too long. It's really more of a preview of things to come. But we do just want to touch upon it real quick because we spend a lot of time, rightfully so, but uh, we spend a lot of time talking about Donald Trump and the Trump administration. But, you know, to, to quote Star Wars, there is another. And that man is Joe Biden. He's been running what... Seems to be a successful campaign so far. <laughs> if you were to look at the polls, um, he's been running it mainly underground. Obviously, he's he's a it's a real exclusive of, situation. <laughs> yeah, um, he's he's a he's an old man, and he's protecting himself with with everything going on. But he's about to make a big choice in what looks to be sometime next week, in which he's going to pick his running mate. Now, there's a lot of debate as to whether a vice presidential pick matters in terms of whether it helps uh, uh, the candidate's election chances or not. Some might say, you know, 2008 Sarah Palin is a probably, probably a very good example of when it might matter, but not necessarily for, for the best ways. Even though she did boost the ticket for for a short while, it turns out that in the long run, I guess back in 2008, it, it really mattered when you didn't know what the hell you were talking about and you weren't able to, to answer any question in a very coherent way. I feel so, like it kind of always matters in a downward way. Like you can't, you can't, yeah, it's not yeah. going to help you, but it can kind of fuck you if they become the story. Yeah, that bad. seems to be the main thing. Like you, it's, it's, you're probably not going to win an election due to your running mate, but it may help you lose it. We, you know, in 2016, the Tim Kaine pick is, is resoundingly seen as like a big miss especially during with a fragmented uh party after a pretty contentious primary with between hillary clinton and bernie sanders there was an opportunity there to kind of heal the divide and hillary clinton very clearly did not want anything to do with that and the tim kane pick reflect that reflected that and and so consequences or it's interesting you i don't want to get too sidetracked but you say it was a miss i I don't know. Was it a miss? I mean, do we know it was a miss for sure? Because we kind of elected a, a version of Tim Kaine as the nominee this time. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, was it a miss? I mean, it, it's Yeah, I mean, you, you have a good point. I mean, it may be impossible to ever know because a good chunk of the moderate wing, or I'm sorry, a good chunk of the Democratic Party does remain in the moderate lane. So He, cer he certainly didn't excite us. Tim yeah, Kaine did not maybe, maybe it didn't yeah. matter. Maybe uh, really it, Hillary Clinton would have done a better job just picking more of a populist rather than just somebody that I she mean, was going to get along with. You know, that's I don't want to get too into it because what we're trying to preview here is is uh, Joe Biden's choice. And he's already said that he is going to uh, pick a woman as his vice presidential running mate. There's a lot of speculation of who it might be. There's 
quite a big list. I mean, they call it a short list, but it doesn't seem to be that short in my eyes. Uh, you you see uh, options like Kamala Harris, obviously, Gretchen Whitmer, who's the uh, governor of Michigan, Elizabeth Warren. We have more recently, uh, perhaps that she is go- or he is going to pick a uh, uh, woman of color. So Stacey Abrams, Keisha Lance Bottoms, who's the mayor of Atlanta, uh, Susan Rice right now seems to be a a, a favorite. Um, she was a former national security advisor. <laughs> I'm looking at this list. Uh, I'm looking at a BBC list right now to, so our listeners can know. And Michelle Obama is on this list, who I, I would think would be spectacular, but I don't think that would ever happen. But I mean, it would be, it would be, I think he would almost certainly win if you pick Michelle Obama. But again, yeah, I don't yeah, think but would she accept it? Is I don't think she would. Well, My I'm impression sure. is that she did not love politics, <laughs> like yeah. being the first lady. And I don't think she would love uh, being president, but yeah, and she has a podcast now. And as we all know, when when you start a podcast, it's a full time job. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's it. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys have any expectations. Um, just uh, um, out of transparency, I, mean, I was a big fan Susan, of Susan Rice. Oh, go ahead. You, yeah. Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, I was I was a big fan of Elizabeth Warren's um, candidacy. I mean, I know her campaign did not do very well, but uh, she she would definitely excite me, and I, and I would be very happy to see her as a running mate. But I do see the point that she probably doesn't really help Joe Biden's um, chances in, in really many ways. Right now, it looks like Joe Biden's doing pretty well with um, getting back some some white voters that Hillary Clinton lost to Trump, but mm-hmm. still has some weaknesses with Hispanics, um, even trailing Hillary Clinton when it comes to the black vote, which Warren did not do very well at all in, in any of those um, demographics. So I'm not certain she would be a great pick in terms of sealing um, any kind of victory. I would just be excited to see her as a vice presidential nominee and perhaps future president, to be honest with you. So I got a question real quick. When you say that she, that Biden trails the black vote or the African-American vote with uh, the Hillary or Hillary Clinton had more of an African-American base than Joe Biden did. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yeah, so that that so she, well, and, and and keep in mind, I'm obviously going by polls. There's nothing that we we're not going to know uh, until they're they're actually. Yeah, you got to take all this with a little bit of a grain of salt because yeah. we're kind of yeah. inferring. I mean, I, I don't know. I think, I mean, if if they, I think, I don't know. I can't say for certain, but I think it's people, especially. In the Black Lives Matter movement, I don't want Trump around, and there's only one other choice, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, keep in mind that Joe Biden also has his questionable history when it comes yes, to race and exactly. when it comes to... Um, Even know, sexism a little bit. Yeah, and... and I don't know what you're good. talking about. Joe Biden didn't have a <laughs> career before he was Obama's vice president. I don't know if you guys knew that, but... Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, the the second thing I wanted to bring up is when Obama picked Biden, were we excited about Biden? I mean, no, no but we were excited not. about Obama. 
Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, I don't think he really needed some like excitement. It's, it's the opposite. He probably needed somebody that can calm people that, that at that point were thinking that he was too inexperienced, which is what he did. That's exactly what the Joe Biden pick was. And now it's kind of the opposite. I think obviously Joe Biden has the experience, but he needs the excitement. Honestly, Perhaps. looking over this list, I think Warren. I like Kamala I think... Harris. Uh, I don't think she would be a bad choice. I don't know if she helps him. You know, I don't think California. I don't think Biden's going to lose California. Yeah, but. <laughs> Man, honestly, looking at this list, I'm thinking Michelle Obama should. Do this should yeah, yeah, because that's really Rice right. seems like a. I mean, aren't isn't he just opening himself up for Benghazi, 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 Benghazi? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that hot jam. The other, um, yeah, I think so. Um, I don't. I mean, I think Susan. I mean, there's a possibility that Joe Biden's probably just going to pick somebody who he likes. There is a real relationship there or a real real relationship aspect there that maybe he he values. You're saying one of these women will form a relationship with the deep fake that is now running against Trump? The deep fake Joe Biden? Yes. Sorry, that was that was yes. a poor joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I look, usually the vice presidency does not matter, right? Like we are at least not in a very significant way. Uh Right now, it doesn't matter. I, I really don't know what Pence does, to be honest. I don't know what he does with his entire day. Um, but in this case... He has his own bunny. Yeah. That's important. But in this case, it is important. Pence is cute. I think we all know that. Oh, <laughs> dang. I never thought about that. Yeah. Somebody but I think... Posts on 4chan. In this case, there is something of, of that we should pay attention to because there's a good chance whoever he does pick... Joe Biden may be a one-term president. I'm not sure if he's 100% made that declaration or made that promise, but considering his age, he could very well be a one-term president. And whoever he selects, it may be the standard bearer come 2024, for better or for worse. Curious to see if there's any going to be any kind of challenge. <laughs> I think all of, any of these people would Biden, be a good choice. If, if Joe Biden wins. I'm not sure if in 2024, you know, there would be any kind of primary challenge for against whoever he picks. But it's it's important to keep in mind that this is a little different than most picks in the sense that, you know, it's it's the future of the Democratic Party. It's it's I, kind of funny I that think, we're. Go ahead. Sorry. I think of all the the available choices that he has, I honestly think that. I mean, Elizabeth Warren, I would love to have her on the ticket, but I think moderators or moderates, moderators, <laughs> moderates yeah, you, you would should not select like the her. debate moderators so you can get a leg up in the debates. Sorry. I don't think the moderates would <laughs> like her because the, the, the Republicans would just start going off on how she's similar to, to Bernie. Yeah, that's and, true. They are still trying well, to tie Biden right to now. Bernie. They're like, yeah. Joe Biden is Bernie Sanders with the Joe Biden mask. It's actually kind yeah. of really funny. I think yeah. Donald Trump said, "Like, oh, now he's going even left to then uh, he's going left to uh, Bernie Sanders." And I was like, "Really? That's awesome!" Yeah, I was like, "Cool." But look, in terms of experience, I think every person on here would be a totally competent VP and a totally yeah. competent uh, P <laughs> president. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's one of those things where like our current president can barely keep his pants up, so. 
it's sort of like, look, I'm looking at these. All of these women can do a much better job than the president. Uh, do I have a favorite? I think I'm. I like Stacey Abrams quite a bit. I like Susan Rice, but Benghazi, 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 yeah, Benghazi. Yeah, that'll Benghazi, definitely come up. Benghazi. The, yeah. I, I bet they'd even get a debate question on it because that's just the world we live in. And it would be, oh, it's fairness to, to ask him about this bullshit. I, I like Kamala Harris, but I, again, I don't think it gets him anything. Uh, honestly, it's a hard choice for Biden. Not not because any of the any of not because he doesn't have good choices. It's almost just because, well, VP is just hard because it, it sort of like doesn't get you anything, but it could hurt you down the line. But yeah, I don't and know, this man. one could really hurt him. Like, I mean, he's leading a lot in the polls right now, but if he chose, I mean. Each of these people, however amazing they are. So so most of these people are moderates. The furthest left person on here is Elizabeth Warren. And uh, I would say yeah. the rest of them are moderates. I, I know that think... Kamala gets painted as left wing because she's from California, but I would call her pretty moderate. Uh, go ahead. What were you saying? Yeah, I'm sorry. But I don't I don't think and, and I'm viewing this as as my prediction of how the American electorate would view it. I don't think there's a single candidate here that that's would be a huge burden for Joe Biden. I, I would say if I had to pick one, it would probably be Susan Rice, because I do think the Benghazi topic would come up often. And Republicans would definitely want to have that discussion again co- compared to everything else going on. But every, you know, there doesn't seem to be somebody here who, who I would be too against. Yeah. But at the same they also time, tagged her with that unmasking nonsense, so I'm sure you wouldn't hear the yeah. end of that. Um, but I, I also don't think there's anybody here. Again, not not me personally, but but I don't think there's anybody here that would really boost Joe Biden's chances more than uh, higher than they are now. I think yeah. really Joe Biden's probably looking at this and be like, who can kind of just make sure. I'll, I'm going to stay where I am right now, which is eight to 10 points above in the polls. Yeah. Guys, so I think I'm... we should be putting in some very sincere calls to Michelle Obama because I feel like that's. Yeah, she's here. the only one. She's really the only one that I would. Yeah, be and like, it's wow. just, it is so like unlikely to happen. I don't know. Yeah. The well, Obamas seem very done with politics and, uh, you know, justifiably so. <laughs> I don't blame them, and I don't, no, especially I do considering their family and what, what they've had to go through. Um, and again, that podcast, podcasting is a lot of hard work. I it, have not listened to it. It's honestly the most important forward. thing you can do right now is start a podcast. Yeah. More than yeah, any of this other stuff. <laughs> well, anyways, it looks like the uh, pick will, will come next week, um, hopefully early next week. We'll probably touch base on that and see what we feel about the pick. Um, in next week's episode, if, if it is indeed, uh, if Joe Biden indeed makes the selection at that time. But beyond that, you know, we'll, 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 we'll come back to it next week. I do want to move on to our next topic. Uh, and in this case, uh, I'm going to refer to my good friend Sam here because the folks listening, you know, every journey must come to an end. And as you all listening know, Sam has been following an anime. Welcome to NHK. He's been sharing his thoughts here a couple of times. And 
he has finished his his journey with with the anime and he wants to share his thoughts Sam, I want to give you a little bit more time than I have previously since you did finish it. Uh, you seem very, very excited about what you want to share. So tell us, what did you feel about the ending? What did you feel about the anime as a whole? The first thing that that comes to mind is the the, the creator of this anime had to have had some type of had to have been diagnosed with some type of mental health um i don't want to say problem but some type of mental health like depression or anxiety or something mm-hmm. because of what how this anime is how the story progressed it, it's hard for people who don't have depression or people who don't have anxiety to portray what depression is like in fact there's a i i've been looking for a good quote that i want to i thought i wanted to end with it but i think i'm going to start with it um and this is from the creator himself he says i've read over 200 self-improvement books i know what to do to change my life around but I have the fear of that change. What will happen then? I have the fear that something unexpected may occur. And I think that pretty much sums up people who have general anxiety disorder and major depressive disorder and even people with bipolar. I mean, I feel like that sometimes where, I mean, I can learn all this thing, but if I, what will happen if it, if I do successfully change, you know? The other thing that I wanted to say, and I've, I just want to let you know, whoever out there that that has a mental health uh, problem or been diagnosed with mental health issue, that you're not alone. And as far as for an anime showing basically overall a real life scenario you know i mean it's coming to the attention of more and more people i think and i think that's really important yeah the, are you gonna say something gus no no go on i'm sorry that's okay the other thing that i wanted to talk about was before I before I was I was watching this I I was just looking for an anime that was uh, that was underrated, um, and what I found was what I found and watched from this anime became my all time favorite anime. You speaking on Genesis Evangelion, but now it's this, and then. It's, and it's not because of the animation. I mean, the animation's okay. Um, it could do a little bit of work, but the characters and the story, what made me fall in love with this anime. Uh, you know, Sato, who the main character is, Misaki, who is this woman who is trying to help Sato get out of his, once again, um, 
where is that word? It's uh, Ikomari, which basically is like, you know, you're isolated all the time. You don't clean anything. You can't go into, you can't have social interactions. Or it's hard for you to have social interactions. But, and I... Well, I wanted to ask you, Sam, because I, I find it very interesting that you mentioned, well, one, obviously that it's your favorite anime, but you mentioned that it toppled your previously favorite anime, which is Neon Genesis Evangelion, Ava, um, which is also another anime that very famously tackled mental health issues and depression, um, also had a prominent creator that uh, dealt with, with depression, with personal struggles that that helped him create, inspired him to create Ava. Ava tackled it in a very outlandish way, uh, obviously in a very supernatural way. Does this do the same thing or is it more, is it a little bit more grounded? What would you say are like the clear differences between this and Ava? The clear differences is that it's as real life as it could be. He Sato uh, suffers from very strange hallucinations. He the for example the items in his department talk to him. Now that is maybe not outlandish. I mean I'm sure some people have have had that happen to them, but. It felt the the way the anime portrayed itself was more like a real life thing, and the way the hallucinations portrayed themselves was more outlandish to me, at least. You know, they talked in funny voices. They they tried to convince them to to stop going out. They tried to convince them that there's a conspiracy towards him. I'm I'm sorry, Gus. I lost what what did you ask me again? I'm sorry. No, I mean you're answering it. Um I just in, in comparison to Evangelion. So it sounds like this is a character dealing with obviously with his mental uh struggles and it their person those struggles aren't seem like they're personified through hallucinations. Yes. Did I get that? Okay. Yeah. yeah Thank you. Is, That's a yeah. good summarization of it. Which is not Ava, obviously. Well, who knows? Uh, there's probably arguments that everything in Ava was all a dream or, or a hallucination, yeah. too. So, <laughs> but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, not but tonight, it sounds like anyway. it's, yeah, not tonight. But it sounds like it's approaching it a little bit more of a, would you say, a more relatable way in terms of dealing with your mental health? Oh, yeah. In Ava? I mean, I. I felt for Sato because I've been through what 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 he has been through. I've done things that he's done. In fact, that that was the next topic that I wanted to talk about. Sato felt worthless for a lot of the anime, and for most of my adult life, I have felt worthless. You know, he he would never clean his apartment. It would just be trash upon trash. Uh, the only time that he actually tried to was when his mom came. 
but it was just the fact that he didn't care. He didn't care about his cleanliness. He didn't care about anything, which when people have depression or, you know, anxiety, they don't care. It's just part of living like that. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to say, one of the other characters, Yamazaki, uh, tried to help him. They started, uh, they they tried to, they were creating a, like a, a video game to try and convince Misaki. I don't know how much you guys remember, but Misaki is, was in his dreams, and she's convinced that he's um, a neat, which is, once again, not an employment, education, or training. And they're trying to convince her that he's not. That Sato isn't. Yeah, I mean, he he was... Uh, I think I already said that. So you, this is your favorite anime of all time now? Yes. You said that. Yes. But how? I'm, I'm skeptical. Well... Are you saying it's better than Naruto? <laughs> well, I just mean you've seen you are you've seen. Look, if anime were Pokemon, you would have caught them all. No, dude, there's like seen them all. I have not seen them all. I have seen okay, a lot, seen, but I have not seen them. You've all. seen a lot of them, and you love a lot of them. Yes. You, when you started this show, you reviewed it for the podcast. You gave it kind of middling. You were a little bit middling. You yeah. said it was kind of rough at the beginning. Now you're like, this is the best show ever. Yeah. This is better than Pokemon. This is better than Dragon Ball Z. This is better than ev- everything. I mean, to me, so at least. To me, that. at least. But, like... <sighs> I mean, I think there's an important difference between your personal favorite anime and then making a statement that this is the best anime I'm not. Yeah, created. I'm not saying this is the best anime ever. I'm just saying this is my favorite anime of all time. Yeah, which is Naruto, as as men. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I think what and what you are saying, Sam, and I think you're you're putting it in a, in a uh, very touching way is, is that it's it it reminds you of 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 your struggles, but it's it's also encouraging um, in a way, and it, there's there's a sense of solidarity when 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 you view this an, anime that's that. Others also go through this struggle, um, and it's it's a significant struggle. And you know, you mentioned how it stops people from doing what they know will help them because that's what it is. You know, that's what anxiety is, and that's what depression is. When we use the term "crippling anxiety" and "crippling depression," because it is that it literally stops you from doing what you know would help you. And then you instead don't do anything or you indulge in your bad habits. And and it's 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 a very hard mountain to climb and to, to have some something that shows that and personifies that, I, I think could be very uh powerful. You know, I like I said, I've I've not seen all the anime in the world. There's way too many to count, but but by the end of Friendly Reminder, you you will yeah. have reviewed it all. Yeah. Okay. But I've seen a lot of anime, and I like a lot of anime or a lot of a lot of the anime episodes. Um, my top five were Neon Genesis, Azumanga Daio, Last Exile, Kenichi, and Toradora. 
but now it's welcome to NHK is the number one. Mostly because um, I, you were gonna say it's that like five times. <laughs> mostly because I just a great a great piece of art as anyone like as anyone should know will affect you in some way. And this anime affected me a lot. Um, you know, I I learned from it, and I will probably always struggle with my depression and anxiety for the rest of my life. But I think I've come to the realization that I'm gonna have to just take, just you know, just do it. Take it one day. Not just take time. it one day, but just. It's not. It's, it's not about being struggle. afraid. It's just doing it. Like I have to. I just have to be able to do things. Yeah, I understand what you mean. The other thing, I don't know how much time we have left. I don't know if you want me to end here. No, you can finish it. Okay. The other thing was the the anime's ending. At first, I I didn't like it. But as I thought about it, I started to realize, I'm not going to tell you what it is, because, you know, whoever wants to watch it, I don't want to ruin it for you. But it, when I got to the end, when I got closer to the end, it gave me, I had anxiety because of it, because I was, I didn't know if it was going to be a happy anime, or a happy ending, or a sad ending, or something in the middle. I just didn't know, and I was afraid to keep going because if it was sad, then I would probably feel sad. Or if if I don't, I it's hard to explain. I'm a very empathetic person, so I feel more than probably most people or the average person. But Sam, can I intervene? Yeah, go ahead. Because I would like to maybe pull some of our topics together with a, a poem from, from one of the great poets. Okay. I want to be the very best, like no one ever was. <laughs> to catch them is my real test. To train them is my cause. I will travel across the land, searching far and wide, each Pokemon to understand the power that's inside. Pokemon. Gotta catch them all. Rest in and that's by Cain. civil rights pioneer uh, Herman Cain. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Rest in peace. Daniel. Well, I... There is one more thing that I have to say, and I don't recommend you watching this because it has a lot of spoilers unless you actually watch the anime. But I love anime music videos, and I found... <laughs> I thought you meant this podcast. Yes. You were like, I don't recommend you listen to the podcast you just heard. <laughs> there's but there's this great anime music video that, that depicts this anime. Just go to YouTube and search Welcome to NHK, AMV, and Secrets. Uh, the song by One Republic. And it is a great anime music video. And I search far and wide. First. No, don't watch it first. <laughs> no, yeah, watch the anime. Yeah, first. watch the anime first. But yeah, that that was it. Yeah.
Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that, Sam. Uh, you know, obviously, thank you for sharing your thoughts on the anime. You know, thank you for sharing some of your struggles, some of your personal history. It's never easy to, to share when you know other people uh, are listening. So I want to thank you for that uh, and sharing your experiences. But with that, that does come to the end of our show. So once again, Daniel, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Gus. Sam, again, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. It was it was a lot of fun. Yes, love the discussion. And one last thing I want to thank our viewers for joining us today and hopefully every other week in the upcoming future. We really appreciate you taking the time. I know we're still a new podcast, but every episode we're, we're trying to learn and we're, we're trying to get better. Uh, but knowing that you're listening and you're following us really means the world to us. So once again, our lovely listeners just wanted to thank you. And that does end our show for today. So we will see you all next week for another round of 